Snap Studios. We like to think that we're in control, that our words are our own, that we step where we decide to step. But what if something else starts pulling the strings? From Snap Judgment's underground lair, you're listening to Spooked. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spooked. So, here's the thing. When the creepy, crawly, ghosty stuff starts to happen, usually there's only one or maybe two people there to see it. They lose their minds. Sound nuts. People dismiss the disturbed person. But what if the bad thing, it happens on a bright, sunny day with the birds chirping, lots of people around and cameras everywhere? From Snap Judgment's underground lair, my name is Glenn Washington, and Spooked starts now. Three years ago, Hari Obama was in West Java, Indonesia in a village called Bamangtuk. There's a, a village, there's a village. The story behind that is, according to history, there's a, according to legend, I don't know is it true or not, but they say that this, this place is haunted, this place is full with spirits. So, what do you mean by spirit? Indonesian believe that there's a two dimension, our dimension and spirit's dimension. The people in the village said that dimension was ruled by animal spirits. For Hario, those were the magic words. He'd come hoping to find a haunted location for his TV show, Masi Dunia Lane. He was a TV producer from the big city, Jakarta. I'm a city boy who really doesn't believe in ghosts, and these are country people who really believe in spirits and ghosts. The locals told Hario that there was one particular spot in the village where he and his crew might find what they were looking for. There's one place in the middle of the jungle. A house that had been abandoned. The locals take me there. But they refused to go inside the building. Before we went to the house, the locals warned us that we have to act polite. Can you tell me what the house looked like? The building is in a good 
condition but it's already dirty it's smells not good maybe it's only my imagination but i think i smell blood the floor was littered with dirt and rocks grass had started to grow in between the floorboards first thing i do i pray uh i pray please protect us god please protect us don't make us harm uh, well not us but me actually i pray only for myself <laughs> Hario had brought along with him the two people you need when checking out a haunted location. A shaman and a fixer, a guy who handles the logistics. His name was Garnis. It's about 19, 20. Yeah, well, uh, he said that, I don't believe in ghosts. Why are you looking for a ghost? I don't believe in spirits. Garnis doesn't care. He's disrespectful. And what did you say to him? I'll say that, Careful, this is not our town, this is not our place. You're not supposed to say that. And after Haru told Garnis off, Garnis headed to the back of the house to take a leak. But when he did that... He's being in the place that he's not supposed to be. Suddenly, he's screaming, he's yowling, he's... Uh, rolling on the floor, he's scratching the wall. Wait, Garnis, what happened to you? What are you doing? Garnis's hands were behind his head, his arms making the shape of two triangles on either side, as if he were taking the shape of a cobra. His face looked different. His eyes is closed, and then he tried to bang his head on the floor. He's slithering like a snake, and it's like, I think he got possessed by the snake spirits. What I do, I pray, so that he doesn't hurt me. Hario says the shaman was casting spells to pull Garnus out of the spirit's possession, and he was also apologizing to it. And the shaman said that we mean no harm. I'm apologize for him. And that moment, I feel relief. And although the bruises and his hand has been cut, Garnis is okay. Well, actually, he said, like, where am I? Who are you? Oh, man, you get possessed. Oh, what did I do? You pee! So now that this happened, do you feel like, oh, maybe we should leave this location? Maybe we're not safe? Or how do you feel? Well, at that time, I think that's, this is the right spot for we doing our show. <laughs> this is the right spot. It was everything he'd hoped for. And that's when he gave his TV crew the go-ahead. Next day is the shooting day. Hario led the contestant past a crowd of around 50 people gathered outside the house. Locals know that we are shooting in that place, want to see what's going on inside. When the, we start to filming and the contestant 
left alone inside the house. At first, the contestant feel bored. They feel bored. Nothing happened, but suddenly, something's happened. The contestant is not himself. He is only has a blank stare. His face looks different. And then the contestant begin to grow. And suddenly he became like a tiger. And we believe the tiger is Siliwangi, the king spirit of West Java. He opened his mouth and said in a different voice, Why are you disrespecting me? Why are you disrespecting me? And the priest said, We're not trying to disrespect you. The contestant was still growling, held back by the arms of the shaman, before he collapsed to the ground. Hario and the crew took the contestant to the medical tent. They gave him hot tea and some hot lotion to calm him down. Uh, so I'm in the medical room with the contestant. When I first realized there was screaming outside. Uh, when I look out the tent, I see one man in the crowd. He's on his hands and knees, and the crowd is surrounding him. He's growling, he's scratching the floor, he's rolling, he's act like an animal. He tried to attack the people near him. Hario called the priest to come heal the man. The priest grabbed him by the neck and doing spells and prayers. But then, Hario said, it's like the spirits moved to someone else. The same spirits moved to another person. Another person got possessed. It's a woman. The crew was trying to hold down the woman while the priest was casting spells. I tried to help the priest, but what can I do? I'm not a normal person. I don't have any powers. I don't have any gift. Uh, what I do is I try to uh, make the crowd back up. And I say that, back up, back up. This is not a show. This is not so. This is real. This is not acting. This is real. Back them up. Back them up. It's dangerous. I so I don't want anyone get harmed. The crowd is freaking out, uh, but they're not screaming. They're praying, and the priests also doing the spells, doing the prayers. As the man in charge, I feel hopeless. I feel like, oh my God, what, what is happening? I don't expect this. I don't expect the crowds are possessed. And the priest is overwhelmed. When he killed one person, another person get possessed. When he killed that person, another person get possessed. As more and more people get possessed, there are even more animal spirits. Now, it's not only tiger spirits, there are also 
monkey spirits and snake spirits and others and I take the possessed person to the medical room I'm running around medical room and the crowd to the medical room and the crowd back and forth back and forth uh, it's uh, draining me it's <laughs> I feel exhausted very exhausted I think I don't remember breathing at the time at one point I leave the medical tent now it's different it's quieter uh, there's no more else possessed I go outside no one's screaming there's no growling there's no scratching no one's fighting I see the priest he's talking to the crowd he's speaking Sudanese the local language and all together we start to pray we pray for the spirits we pray for the spirits go to the next level go to paradise so they can move on Do you think you'll ever go back? No. <laughs> no, I said it loud and clear. And no, I'm never going to back to Pamumpuk anymore. are off stage doesn't mean they aren't there now do you listen to your pooch when he says don't go down those stairs maybe you should when spook continues stay tuned say that our furry friends can see ghosts that can hear spirits more easily than we can. My dog, Georgie, he thinks we have an entity in our basement. And when Georgie barks out of the window into the darkness at night, I run away. Because animals, they don't need to pretend. So I live in New Orleans, and I have a dog, and her name is Daikon. Fast forward, I move into this place, an old Victorian on the bayou, called the Bayou St. John. And she would never just walk in the house. I'd open the front door, and she'd stop. She'd go in the house, and she'd be staring in the living room. So I always knew there was something in the living room. I didn't know what it was. This was a Sunday in October, early October, on that Sunday night. Got into bed. My dog, Daikon, was on her pillow across the room. Turned off the light. 
I couldn't go to sleep. There was something that just kept presence that was in the room with me. And I could feel that presence on my back, breathing on my neck. Like, this is crazy. And I would turn over the other way. Still felt it. It was there. That same feeling of that heat when you put it just up to your face. Just before you touch your face. That's what it felt like. I felt like it now was nose to nose with me. And it was there, it was there, with whatever it was, it was there in the bed with me. So this went on for about an hour and a half, two hours in the darkness. I finally turn on the light, but it's midnight now. So I go in the bathroom, splash water on my face, and I'm like, all right, stop, go back to bed. So I, I go back in my bedroom, I got in the bed, I reached up and turned off the light, and before my hand was away, the whole bed slammed, and the headboard hit the wall. It slammed the wall. And I immediately, in that split second, thought, that's the dog, Daikon, trying to get in bed with me. So I quickly turned on the light, and I looked down, sound asleep. She was sound asleep. And I was like, O-M-G, it's in my bedroom. And then I pulled the covers up really tight around my neck. And that's when I saw it, him. And it was an older white man, really, really pale. He had a very thin, thin nose. It was long and narrow, kind of had a little point at the end. And he had long gray hair, bald on top, stringy long. And he was wearing one of those turn of the century or mid 1800s, I'm not sure, one of those nightgowns where they used to tie it around their neck and then it tied around the, their wrists. And then it was open, you know, at the bottom, a nightgown. And that's who was in my room. And so I laid there all night. I don't know what made me stay there. I had no idea. I got up the next morning, you know, got dressed, went to work, and I called a friend of mine, and she was crazy mad at me. Something's in your house. It's coming to your bedroom. You need to get out of there. You need to get out of there. So when I came home that night from work, my dog came out of the house onto the porch, which she never does, and was pushing against my knees. What's going on? And I'm petting her, and I'm petting her, and I looked down, and she had chewed her tail to a bloody stump. She was completely wigged out. So I took heed to my friend's advice and I took my dog out of the situation for the week. Then by middle of the week, I guess it was about Wednesday, I decided this was crazy. So I came home from work. I went straight to my bedroom down the hallway. 
the dog Daikon would not come in the bedroom. And I just stood in my bedroom and I said, all right, enough. I'm really sorry you're trapped here. I'm really sorry that you have a miserable life. I said, but it's over. I can't help you. I can't do anything to make it better. But I will tell you, get the out of my bedroom. Get the F out of my bedroom. And while you're at it, if you touch or torture my dog again, I will burn this house. Do not torture my dog. Leave her alone. Go back to your hole in the living room. You were fine there. I accepted you there, but you've crossed the line. And I kind of was shaking when I was saying it, but it was empowering at the same time. I took my dog and we went for a walk. I came back that night. I thought, well, let's see what happens. And she followed me into the room, my dog. It was back in the living room. I think within two or three weeks of that, I decided I was moving. I didn't want to put Daikon through that. So that's what happened. So I moved, and I moved three blocks away. I have a great place. Daikon loves it. Totally fine there. She's like a whole other dog. Never choose herself. Thank you, Susan, for sharing your story with Spooked. A big shout-out as well to Daikon for keeping that ghost at bay. Good dog. Special thanks as well to Hayo Bamba. Hayo is a producer on that popular Indonesian reality show. And to read Weiss's article about that program, we're going to have a link at spookedpodcast.org. Now, we love sharing our stories with you but really dig it when you share your stories with us on the spooked line record your story send it in to spooked at spookpodcast.org spook was produced by the exorcism squad of mark ristich anna sussman liz mack jody collie tail decott and jasmine aguilera the spook theme song was by pat masini miller original music by pat masini miller Leon Morimoto and Renzo Gorio. Find out more information about all of this at spookpodcast.org. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SpookPod. Listen to new Spook episodes each week. We're dropping two each week as we make our way toward All Hallowed Eve. Ooh, what, you, you can't wait? Well, you can get spooked three days early simply by downloading the TuneIn app. And on the next Spooked, we're going to go into a medieval prison. Bad news. Somebody lost the keys. And even if you see your mother-in-law wrapped in rolls of toilet paper, always remember. And please, please don't forget to never, ever turn out the lights. This story was summoned in the dark of night by KQED 
and PRX.